Hello and welcome to the May DCM podcast. My name is Tom Linnae and this month I'm very happy to be joined by regular contributor to the DCM podcast, DCM's Director of Marketing and Insight, Zoe Jones. Hello, Zoe. Hi, Tom. Now, this month we're going to talk about the upcoming third edition of the Digital Cinema Media Awards. We're also going to talk about a couple of other DCM initiatives, such as the recently launched Campaign Planner and some upcoming films. But first, we're going to talk about the incredible, and I don't think that's overstating it, the incredible start to the year. Admissions for the first four months of the year are now in. January to April were 63.3 million, which is up 13.2% year on year. March was the busiest March since 1971, and then April went and followed it by also being the busiest April since 1971. As a result, January to April was the busiest in almost 50 years. It's an incredible performance. Uh, What do you put that down to, Zoe? I think it's a real range of um, things. I think the appetite to go to cinema is getting stronger and stronger. We're seeing some brilliant initiatives from the exhibitors, and equally the film site has been so strong, and there's been a huge variety of films for so many different audiences. I mean, the standout has to be Beauty and the Beast, which we have to talk about. I mean, that's been a phenomenon and I think real part of bringing back musicals and magic um, to a lot of people who maybe saw the first film the first time around, but it's brought to a whole new audience as well. So, I mean, that's been a huge achievement from Disney bringing back live action and you can see what their slate looks like for the next few years. But Beauty and the Beast, I think, stands out out of all the ones they've done so far. Yeah, it's grossed £72 million in the UK, one, I think, the seventh biggest film of all time. That's an incredible performance. But also you did mention the strength of the film slate all round. I mean, other great films that have been successful in, in the first four months of the year include La La Land and Guardians of the Galaxy and Get Out, all varied films but all equally excellent I didn't want to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy too much because I feel I've talked about it quite a bit on podcasts before but Baby Groot I mean (laughs) who could have thought they could have made that film uh, any more exciting but uh Were you a fan? I did like it. I didn't like it as much as the first but I did like it but you're right Baby Groot is the standout. I I think there are highlights of the second that were maybe better than the first but equally I don't think the the villains were as good in, in the second one. No. But the humour and the the pathos and the, the family it was uh, quite atmosphere moving, that they gave. Yeah, it, I mean, I had a tear. Yes, and um, and obviously that's now the second biggest film of the year and will probably stay that way, I would think, until maybe Despicable Me 3 comes out next month. Uh, but now let's talk about the Digital Cinema Media Awards. I mentioned it at the start. It's an event that takes place in late September at the Ham Yard Hotel. It's in its third year. It is one of the most exciting nights in the media calendar. This window for submissions opened a couple of weeks ago and is open till the 7th of July. What are we looking for, Zoe, in submissions? So we've kept the categories quite tight again, but we have refreshed them slightly this year. We've made sure that we're being as inclusive as possible, so we've got one for smaller campaigns and one for larger campaigns. We've also taken on some feedback by creating a new category because we're seeing a lot more branded content and long-form categ- long form campaigns come into cinema. So the Grand Prix winner last year actually was a long-form campaign by 3 and LG, which was fantastic, which everyone should check out on our website if they haven't seen it. Um, it's a bit of a pastiche of um, some horror movies, particularly Blair Witch um, and, and unpackaging uh, phones. So it sounds a little bit of a weird mashup, but it really works. So we took that on board and we've now created a long-form copy entry uh, category as well so any campaign that's over 60 seconds is eligible to enter into that category so not 60 second ca- 60 seconds and over okay, to okay. be clear yeah so we feel like it's great to, that cinema can 
um, showcase those kinds of campaigns and we really want to celebrate what we've been seeing over the last year. So any campaigns can enter that have been shown in cinemas from July last year to July this year. And obviously that means that we might have some campaigns that we still have, we haven't even seen yet. Um, but we have already know that there's some brilliant things that we, we hope to showcase. So I'd encourage everyone to get entering now. I didn't oversell it. Again, it is one of the most exciting nights in media. It, it's held at Ham Yard. It's a great night out. What can people expect from the evening? Well, you will be hosting, I hope. I don't think I've actually formally asked you to no, come back for the third have. year. Yeah, I don't think you have. Are your fees going up this year? <laughs> well, you're the one who's brought fees into this. Maybe we should have a longer discussion, but um, well, I will be there, definitely. You know, we're lucky enough that we've got some amazing venues in London that have cinemas as part of the experience, so obviously we have to use one of those. Hamyard's fantastic, so we will be back there for the third year. There'll be quite a few drinks uh, quite a lot of fun it's fairly informal but the main thing is it's just a big celebration of all things cinema and the great work everyone's doing across our industry and it is an it's a great opportunity to get together and see some of the great work i mean when you put all the um winning campaigns together and you see them on the big screen you realize that there is some incredible creative work taking place and i think cinema. that's that's the whole reason we have to show these awards and have the ceremony in a cinema because when you watch it together and you see it how it's meant to be seen I mean we actually do the judging in our own cinema in our offices as well just to make sure that everyone who's involved can see them how they were meant to be seen yep and it does have the coolest trophy in media doesn't it it does it does light up yep um helps people you know find their way from their cinema seat to the <laughs> stage yep practical it is like and a cool. spotlight. It is practical and cool. If you, if you haven't seen it, uh, do try and get on our website and see a picture of the trophy because once you've seen it, you will want one. And what date does it take place on? So it's the 27th of September. And as I said, submissions, the deadline for submissions is the 7th of July. That may get extended, I'm, but I, I can't guarantee, but it may well get extended. You know how these things work. I mean, only if it's an amazing, yeah. you know, campaign. Yeah, but, exactly. But just do get in contact with us. Uh, one other exciting development at DCMHQ over the last couple of months has been the launch of the online campaign planner, which is now up and running smoothly on our website. It's a great tool for anyone looking to plan or buy cinema. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, yeah, sure. So we had been taking a lot of feedback on our website we, we haven't we haven't relaunched it but we've um i guess relooked it as a whole to make it easier to use and just being a real um database of assets that everyone can use who wants to get involved in cinema advertising so we now have an interactive film calendar we've got more and more case studies that you can search on there so hopefully anything someone might need um to get inspired as to how to use cinema is there now and it's a bit easier to use and user friendly but the main thing we wanted to do is enable people to basically plan uh, a basic cinema campaign by date film or audience without having to contact a dcm rep it is, I, I say it's basic because you couldn't necessarily then go on and book the campaign, but you could at least get an idea of what you can get in different date periods for different audiences. And if you want specific films, you could get a very ballpark idea of how that could work. You then would have to then contact us, obviously, to then plan everything and, and book it. But it, I think hopefully the feedback has been so far that it's just been really helpful in giving people an idea of how cinema works. Yep, and you can literally go on there and see 
if say I wanted to book a campaign in Dunkirk, you can call up Dunkirk, you can call up the audience, you can call up a specific week, and it will tell you how many admissions you can expect to um, be delivered on that given week. Absolutely. And, and the rate card cost as well. Or equally, if you wanted to start with a certain audience or one of our buying routes, you could start with that and you'd know exactly, and the date period, and you'd know exactly what films you'd get for that audience. So hopefully, you know, we're covering. Um, different people's needs we'd love some feedback on it because we will want to keep evolving that over time and you know we're constantly trying to work on our systems internally and externally to make cinema easier to plan and buy for everybody yep sounds like a great tool congratulations to all involved (laughs) and looking ahead to the rest of the summer uh, we've already talked about the stellar start to the year in terms of performance Uh, it looks like it's going to continue across the summer. I'm hearing very good things about Wonder Woman, which opens next Thursday. I'm also hearing very positive things about The Mummy, which is the following Friday. What are you looking forward to across the summer and for the rest of the year? I guess um, I'm really looking forward to Baby Driver, which is out next month. I know you're probably even more excited about that. Very excited about this one. I love Edgar Wright films, and the trailer looks like something genuinely original and fun. Um, and that's getting great reviews. Yeah, it opened at South by Southwest in March. So I, know, I, know, I know you're a big fan of World's End, but it didn't com- perform commercially so well. Not do you as think well this as is a return to form, or do you think it was that was still a really good film that didn't maybe? Well, that film hit? it did well. It did about eight million at the UK box office. But when you consider Hot Fast did over twenty, it was a slight disappointment. I don't think this is as commercial as those films because it's not a British film with a British cast. It is set in America. Ansel Elgort, who is a very, very charming actor in the lead, perhaps isn't as well-known as he uh, as he could be. I still think it will be a solid hit, but um, I think it's going to be a really good film, and that's the most important thing. Um, I mean, War of the Planet of the Apes and Dunkirk in July look massive. I mean, very different films, but brilliant filmmaking. I mean, Dunkirk is going to be a huge event, I feel. Yeah, I do summer. think so. I mean, hands down, it's probably going to be the biggest the best film of the summer, not the biggest film in the summer. It might be the biggest film in the summer, but I think it's certainly going to be the best film. I mean, Christopher Nolan, I think this one is going to be a stunner. I really do. The trailers, every trailer we see just gets that excitement uh, ramped up a little bit more. I think it's going to be genuinely something we don't often see in the summer. It's, it's a summer blockbuster. Sorry, it's a summer blockbuster, but it's not something you would normally associate with summer blockbusters. But I think people are very excited about this I mean, one. The ticking in the trailer is so intense. I can't deal with the ticking. If that ticking is going on all the way through the film, I will probably <laughs> have a heart attack. Um, and actually, in August, there's three films I'm really looking forward to, which are a little bit different. Um, Atomic Blonde. I mean, John Wick 2 was actually the first film I've ever gone to see at the cinema on my own. Um, John Wick is one of my favourite uh, new franchises yes, of recent and years. and this essentially looks like John Wick with a female lead. Uh, yeah, and Charlize Theron has sort of not reinvented her career. I mean, her career is pretty amazing, but she's really ramped up the action roles. You know, Become an amazing action star. Mad Max, she was phenomenal. It wasn't really a Mad Max film for me. It was her film, and it's great to see her get such a exciting-looking role in it, and it looks, looks, looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does look cool. It looks... Uh, it's aimed at teenage boys, and so that's why I'm very excited about it. And me, yeah. <laughs> Zoe and I are teenage boys at heart. And, and then The Dark Tower. So I've been really excited about this ever since it was first announced that it's going to be made. I've read all the Stephen King books, which he talks about his sort of magnum opus of many years of amazing... 4,200 pages of books. Yeah, I mean, it, it was quite a big commitment. Um, and... You know, I didn't really wasn't quite sure about the cast when I first heard about it, but having seen the trailer, I think I think it looks pretty strong. I and mean, it's not probably quite getting the buzz um, 
here at the moment because maybe not everyone's as familiar with the, novel, with the novels, but, but there's a big audience for this. I mean, uh, this is, I'm glad you brought this up because this is a film series that, or a film that I know, know very little about. I mean, it's called The Dark Tower. You look at the synopsis online, it's mysterious. It doesn't it seem to make a huge amount of sense. But I like the casting. I like the choice of director, um, I think. And and you, just the excitement that you have uh, espoused about this film has made me excited about it too. And then finally, a very different film, but very important film, an inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power. So it's great to see this back in cinemas. I think it's very important that it is released in cinemas. And actually, we, we were privileged enough to see Al Gore speak at Advertising Week back in March. And he... You know, he was saying the impact of the first film, and obviously things have moved on, but maybe not as much as we'd like in terms of climate change, etc. So it feels like it's very timely um, at the moment, and I'm very excited to see this back in cinemas. Yes, and that's out on the 25th of August. I should say that Atomic Blonde's out on the 11th of August, The Dark Tower's out on the 18th of August, and an inconvenient truth sequel truth to power is out on the 25th of august i think august actually has some other really strong films in as well i'm looking forward to valerian and the city of a thousand planets yes, me Luke Besson's big sci-fi epic i think a ghost story that, that picture house are releasing on the 11th of august starring rooney mara and casey affleck uh, had great reviews at sundance it looks like a really interesting indie film and then we've got the hitman's bodyguard which stars ryan reynolds and samuel jackson looks very funny on the 18th and then again on the 25th we've got american made tom cruise's new one reuniting with edge of tomorrow director doug lyman and logan lucky which is the new film from steven soderbergh his return to filmmaking because he said he wasn't coming back he said he wasn't and he's back and it stars adam driver and daniel craig and it's a comedy about two brothers who tried to commit a heist at a NASCAR race, but also on the same day as that as that film. So American Made, Logan Lucky, and Inconvenient Sequel are all out on the same day at the moment, but also out on that day is Detroit, which is the new film from Catherine Bigelow, whose last film was Zero Dark Thirty, which I think is one of the best films of the last few years. So very, very excited about it's that It's an amazing August. Yeah, it is. It is a, a strong... Uh, strong films almost every week and I, we could we could have mentioned another two or three there most particularly the emoji movie <laughs> it's out on the 4th of august and patrick stewart plays the the, the, the poo the poo which yeah. is you know it's got a big voice cast yeah that and, is james um, corden yeah um i don't know how james corden fits in all this voiceover work but he's a busy man and doesn't like to turn down work but again we move into september and there's some really strong films as well it we've spoken about as well Looks, it looks terrifying. It does, uh, you know, it's going to be massive. I mean, the trailer—it's currently got the record, hasn't it, for the yep. most amount of trailer views in 191 24 hours? 191 million views the first 24 hours online. The, uh, by far the biggest trailer launch ever. It looks terrifying. They look—it looks like they've done it in a really classy way as well. It looks scary. I won't be watching it, but I know a lot of people in the office will be. I mean, the one I'm looking forward to is Kingsman: The Golden Circle. I really felt the first Kingsman took me a bit by surprise. Um, it was really stylish fun um a lot of action that wasn't necessarily the usual action that you expect it was great that it came out the same year as bond um so it was a great counterpoint to that and exciting to see it back and they really ramped up the cast this time with the american element coming in haven't they yes if you haven't seen the trailer uh, the kingsman hq gets destroyed and they have to go to america for help and the american version of the kingsman i believe are called the statesman 
uh, and they're much they have uh, lassoes and wear denim and Channing <laughs> double Tat- denim yes and it's Channing Tatum and Jeff Bridges who I think look very well cast in this but also in the cast is Julianne Moore and Halle Berry and apparently Elton John but I'm with you I liked Kingsman the Secret Service uh, it was a good counterpoint to Bond it did offer something very different very stylish funny and I think this looks like more of the same and Flatliners, just wanted to mention that being um, from that era of the first film coming out. It was pretty iconic at the time, um, the original sort of Brat Pack uh, as it was. It's interesting to see that coming back, but it's not necessarily a remake, is it? No, I believe it's a sequel or it's a follow-on. I mean, Diego Loon is in this, who we last saw in Rogue One, but Kiefer Sutherland is back playing the same character, I think, from the original Flatliners. If you haven't seen the original Flatliners, I think it was 1990, starred Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, uh, Keith Sutherland, directed by Joel Schumacher, who then went on to do um, two Batman films, perhaps not quite as successfully. But uh, it's it was a good story about s- medical students who realised they could see the art, visit the afterlife if they killed themselves for two minutes and then revived themselves. And um, but they unleashed a whole load of memories from their past that were not very pleasant. Uh, and this new one is out on the 29th of September and I'm intrigued by it as well especially with the fact that Kiefer Sutherland is returning to the cast and then probably just two others I really want to mention okay I can allow that is that okay it's not technically it's now in Q4 yeah but um, yeah so Blade Runner I mean 2049 it looks amazing most exciting film for the rest of the year as far as I'm concerned same and I think it's quite inspired casting um, obviously bringing back Harrison Ford, but having Ryan Gosling in there. Ryan Gosling is the best American leading man working today. I've decided that. I've, I, no one comes close. I mean, has he taken over from your previous favourite? Miles Teller. Yeah. Well, I like Miles Teller, but I like... Miles Teller hasn't quite fulfilled his potential yet, whereas Ryan Gosling is fulfilling his potential every time he's on screen. I mean, they've brought back the original cinematographer, I believe. So... Is no, the original right? writer. Oh, the original writer. Hampton Fancher. The cinematographer on this is Roger Deakins, who is, I think, the 13-time Oscar-nominated Roger Deakins, maybe 12. He gets not Oscar-nominated every time. He's genuinely regarded as one of the best cinematographers of the last 50 years. But genuinely, it's going to look stunning. As the, If you haven't seen the trailer, it looks genuinely stunning. Do you know much about the plot? No, and I don't want to. I'm ready to go and watch it and <laughs> just be wowed by intelligent sci-fi from Denis Villeneuve who made Arrival last year so he knows how to make intelligent sci-fi that looks beautiful I mean you probably wouldn't put this one in the class of intelligent sci-fi but I think it's looking awesome that's Thor Ragnarok they've definitely been inspired I believe by Guardians and having a bit of that more irreverent and humorous style but the trailer just looks so much fun and I feel like um, got Kate Blanchett in this one, amazing Oscar-winning actress. They're, they're really ramping up the Thor series. Yep, and Jeff Goldblum. And it's directed by Taika Waititi, who did The Hunt for the Wilder People, which was the funniest film of last year, if not the last few years. I think Thor, as a character, is generally boring, and this one makes me excited that, get, that he, there's more to this film. And, I'm and the re- Hulk's in it. Yeah, the Hulk's in it. And they have a gladiator fight. Yes, it looks much more fun than usual. The colour palette is the same as Guardians of the Galaxy. I think this looks like by far the best Thor film yet. And I'm actually really excited to see this one. And I feel like Guardians has inspired a lot of these filmmakers to think more about the soundtrack. And the trailer, if you haven't seen it, that's really part yeah. of the experience. It, it has the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin on it. It's a great trailer. I'm, I'm excited. But Taika Waititi, Kate Blanchett... Mark Ruffalo, Jeff Goldblum, I'm in. So in terms of 
DCM initiatives, you forgot to mention something that happened last week, Tom, which was Media 360. Oh, yeah, that happened last week. Media 360, which... Tell me about Media 360, Zoe. What, what is it? Uh, so basically, it's an event that happens every year in Brighton that's organised by Haymarket. It's a real coming together of all things media in a 360 fashion. I mean, this year we even went up the 360. Uh, what would you call it? A It's a viewing platform. A viewing platform. Uh, it's new in Brighton from... Uh, it's the BA viewing platform and it's basically where you stand in a weird kind of saucer and it lifts <laughs> up to maybe 200 metres in the air, would you say? Yeah. And um, you look around Brighton, except it was absolutely pouring with rain and we couldn't see anything. I mean, we saw a little bit. We saw, yeah, yeah, we saw some sea and some houses. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a great initiative every year. This year it was chaired by Philip Brown from Omnicom Media Group. There's a real mix of people in the room from media agencies, media owners, clients. And we saw some really inspiring speakers, and one of whom was uh, Tom. So talk, so I took part in the Media 360 Challenge, which is where all major media owners are given five minutes to sell their media to the people in the room. And then the people in the room have to vote on who does the best job. I was up against ITV, Twitter, MNC Saatchi, Radio Centre, JC Decoe. Newsworks. Newsworks and one other that I can't remember. But yes, it was. It's you have five minutes as a timer counting down. And I think I did, I, I feel well, like you, I could have done were, better. You were quite convincingly third. I was, I came third and I could, but I feel like I could have done a better job. I think you did a great job. But do, you, do you want to give a little um, highlight in one minute of what you said? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, well, I, I spoke about, we're talking a lot about at DCM about the cultural impact of cinema and how cinema is great at creating cultural moments. So I made it personal. I took it back to me as a child, how I fell in love with cinema, how powerful it was for me as a child and then how brands can use that power and um, the kudos and the prestige of the big screen to drive their messaging. And then uh, we, I also talked about how the strength of cinema at the moment, so how cinema is, which the, the figures we spoke about at the start of the podcast is in a great place. And just back basically how brands should be looking to put cinema on their plan to um, uh, make it an integral part of their media strategy. We also talked a bit about the film site, which we've discussed today, yes. because there are a lot of cultural moments to come. And yeah. I guess one thing we do know is that we know our slate quite far out and we still have that 16 week theatrical window, which, you know, it is the only place you can see some of these big yep. cultural moments in the way only cinema can show it, which is the big screen and the sound. I mean, it's obviously a shame in that setting. You can't really showcase that because you've got a tiny screen and uh but yeah i did talk about some of the exciting films coming up some of we met some of which we men mentioned already but also paddington 2 and star wars the last jedi films that i think will people will be talking about for a long time to come but it was a really uh, it was a it was a good challenge to be given five minutes to do something like that as you said i came third and i think um i acquitted myself well very well but that's enough about me. Thank you for joining me today, Zoe. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'll be back next month. I think I know who the guest is, but I won't tell you just in case he cancels. But um, it's a big one again. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via your chosen podcast app. And I'll be back next month. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.